On this episode of Pretty Much Obsessed, Dalton and I will share our feelings on Batman number 9, Infamous Iron Man number 1, and Spider-Man number 20. Be prepared for spoilers. We're also going to be doing an in-depth, spoiler-filled discussion about the new Netflix series Luke Cage. Stay tuned for all that and more on this episode of Pretty Much Obsessed. You're going crazy because real life sucks And I quit my job because I hate it so much But I got new books and like they're the best So let's talk about them because I'm pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Hey, welcome to episode seven of Pretty Much Obsessed, uh, hey, the comic book and geek podcast. My name is Dalton. My name is Chris. And we are your hosts. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Yeah, lots of stuff. Um, we're, we actually uh, have to start things off on kind of a sad note, though. Um, this morning, it uh, came out that uh, Steve Dillon died. Uh, Steve Dillon was a legendary uh, comic book artist, best known for his work with uh, Garth Ennis on Preacher and Punisher and Hellblazer, um, and was really just a legend in comic books. Um, so was he, curr- he, was, he was currently working on some stuff, right? It, well, yeah, he. It's, this was kind of a shock because uh, he was just at New York Comic Con uh, a little bit ago, uh, earlier this month, and he was also still working on the new Punisher series with Becky Cloonan, uh, which is about eight or so issues in, I want to say. Ben, have um, you been reading that? Yeah, it's been really, really good. I mean, th- like the most famous Punisher run of all time was that Garth Ennis run that he did, um, and uh, it just fantastic. I mean, he's, he's just one of the best. Um, and so this is really kind of a shock. Um, he once drew, uh, the Punisher punching a polar bear in the face. Um, so he, he gave us that gift, that gift to comic books. Sticking Uh, to those polar bears. We, we didn't even know we wanted a panel of the Punisher punching a polar bear in the face, but that's what he gave us. And we polar bears going around, walking around all entitled with their, (laughs) with their South pole. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, it was really kind of a shock, and our thoughts go out to his family. I think his his brother broke the news on Twitter this morning. Um, so uh, go back and read some Steve Dillon books. Uh, you'll be very happy you did, and also maybe a little sick to your stomach because they were some pretty gruesome, brutal stuff. <laughs> um, but he was the best. Um, May his memory live on. But in... Uh, a little bit better news. There was uh, a lot of really awesome uh, nerdy news this week. It was a great week to be a geek, uh, which is my new slogan for my presidential campaign. Uh, uh, I'm not vote, sure. We got to workshop that one a little bit. Vote for me, and every week will be a great week to be a geek. Okay, now you're it's like, a little long, it's like Doctor Seuss. Now, <laughs> um, wasn't what was a geek or nerd that was invented by Doctor Seuss? One of those words, like. The first appearance was by Dr. Seuss. I think it was oh nerd. Oh my god, you're right. I think I th- Dr. Seuss made up the word nerd. Really? Yeah. I think so. I think that's true. Don't fact check me. <laughs> I'm going to right now. <laughs> I have to know. <clears throat> Keep talking about things while I do it. Um, huge, just tons of, of nerdy news this week. Uh, starting with, of course, the big one. The Nintendo NX has been revealed as the Nintendo Switch. And goddamn, does this thing look awesome. Uh, I am not a huge gamer. I will put that out there right now. The last console I bought was my PS3, and I I rarely play it, but I am definitely buying a Switch because I think it's exactly what I'm looking for in a console, which is something that I can take with me uh, and play on the go or play at home. You were right. Dr. Seuss invented the word nerd. Yeah, I knew I was right. Thanks for fact-checking me. Geek dates all the way back to 1916. There's more to read there, but I'm not. I'm not going to, because I want to talk uh, about the Nintendo Switch. I know you're pretty amped about. It. I know you're you're more of a Nintendo <laughs> gamer than I am. So tell yeah. me your reaction. What What do you think? Uh, I really couldn't be more excited. Obviously, there's not a lot of detail right now in terms of um, the machine's capabilities, in terms of graphics and so forth. There's I mean, no really, info- they. They just showed us what we already knew. Like this was what had already been rumored. They kind of confirmed, um, yeah, what was they what confirmed was speculated. W- and what had and been I out think there. for me, they kind of showed that uh, 
it's going to be very sleek and very, um, it's a very attractive device, clearly. I, I mean, mean, it, was good it to definitely see it in looks. Action. It looks like something that I want to carry around, you know. Because yeah. my thoughts were like, okay, I, everybody's been saying for so long now that it's going to be a hybrid uh, home console slash portable console. But I've been wondering, like, is it going to be this big, clunky, dorky looking? Kind like, of does thing? it look like the Wii U tablet? You know, like this gigantic kind of yeah. thing that no one would want to carry around. But it looks great. the The graphics on the games that they showed in the promo look really good. I. Hopefully they'll continue to look that way as they become actual games. Yeah, um, and I think that uh, <clears throat> it's it's the gameplay itself looks pretty conventional, which I think is fine because I I like that. And I yeah, I, they, like it didn't seem like there were motion remotes or right. VR capabilities or anything like that. It's just your your four buttons and your you know and I and I assume that stuff joysticks. Will, I, I figure that stuff will probably follow. There will be some of that, but it doesn't need to be like the the main aspect of of the game. Um, yeah, I think I think this is so more long, about I've the been kind of like capabilities I, of it moving and stuff. Yeah, and for a long time I've been like, you know, I I just want to play a Mario game or like I just want to play Zelda or whatever without having to like swing a Wii remote around or something like that. Yeah. So I think uh, in a lot of I think it's. Striking a really good balance of innovation, but also being conventional in a way that will be accessible to a lot of gamers, and I, I'm very, uh, very stoked about it. Yeah, I mean, it it like you said, it it was good to see it in action. It was good to see what this thing was going to look like. There's still a lot of unanswered questions, like what's battery life going to be like? You know, yeah. is the frame rate or graphics are they going to be compromised when it's just on the tablet? You know, yeah. Uh, things like that. Um, but overall, I think this is awesome. I mean, one of the reasons I haven't been much of a console gamer is just because I am on the move so much here in New York City. I don't have time to really be sitting in my apartment and playing games a lot. But something that I can start a game and then just pick it up and keep playing it on the train right. is very appealing to me. Or even we were talking about at work how our break room is just going to be crazy because of the multiplayer stuff you can do. I mean, being able to like sit with other people with their own devices and do multiplayer is is really cool, especially for games like Mario Party and Super Smash Bros. and, you know, um, uh, Mario Kart. Like, I think it's a really cool innovation to the multiplayer experience where you can be in person, but each have your own screens. And Right. That's uh, one thing I'm really excited for yeah. because I can't stand playing split-screen Mario Kart on yeah. the Wii U. So just the idea of having, you know, everybody can play Mario Kart and each having their own screen, assuming that everyone owns a Switch, which is, you know, obviously not going to be the case. But for me... Seems like a lot of people are pretty excited about it, though. I think it's going to be a fairly well-selling console. Yeah, like, I know you and I will both buy one, and when we play Mario Kart, it'll be sick. Uh yeah, I'm I'm very excited for it. I think I'm definitely going to be getting one. I think we need to learn a little bit more about its hardware capabilities, but everything looks really promising. Um even if some of the scenarios in the trailer were a little uh a little far-fetched. Um it was still cool seeing them in action. What was far-fetched for you? Oh, I don't know, like the whole stadium gathering to watch people play Splatoon. <laughs> like Oh, that's not very far-fetched. People do that. For Splatoon? Really? Um, Is it I wouldn't be like surprised. Like in stadiums? I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know about that. I don't really or know like, too much about Splatoon, but esports is definitely a thing, and it it does draw an audience. Uh, maybe I just don't know. Or like when like all the basketball players like stop playing basketball yeah. so they can play video game basketball. Yeah, that was kind of goofy. <laughs> um but it's it's gonna it the trailer did a really good job of uh, showing what the what its capabilities were. Um and I mean, it just seems really well thought out. Like even just the fact that you can like put the kickstand up and then just like set it down and play on the go without like holding on to it. And one know? thing, um, so one thing I was always a fan <laughs> of with the Wii was being able to use the Wii remote nunchuck combination to just kind of like you have both hands accessing the controller without having to have them like right together. Like you can mm-hmm. kind of lounge and have your hands like your elbows, whatever, like in whatever position you want. And that's yeah. one thing that it looks like we're getting here with the detachable controllers that, you know, go on the side of the tablet or you can attach them onto that docking. It looks like some kind of charging thing to 
create more of a conventional controller, or you yeah. can separate them and go completely wireless, which is what I'll probably do a lot of because I really like yeah. playing that way. So yeah, well, and then you can just flip them on your side on their sides and have two little mini controllers. I thought that was really oh yeah uh, creative too. Yeah. You know, especially for multiplayer, you don't have to carry around a bunch of controllers with you if you want to play with people. You just take the one controller you have and split it into two. I um, wonder if those cool. will be motion sensitive. It's it's going to be interesting because everything here is going to have a battery life. You know, the controllers will, each individual controller will have its own battery life. The tablet has a battery life. And I think the motion control stuff might drain that a little bit more, you know? So it'll be interesting if that's actually implemented. That would be amazing, though, if they could find a way to do it. Yeah. In other Nintendo-related news, uh, the Pokemon Sun Moon demo came out this week. Um and while it's not very long, it does give you a pretty good taste of Sun Moon and the gameplay and sort of the feel of it. The Alola uh, region. Yeah, I really liked it. I can't wait to get the full game now. Uh, you also get a cut. You get a, a Greninja for getting the the demo, which you can then carry over into the core game. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and what's that makes me actually want to finish the demo because I started it and I was just like, eh, I'll wait for the game. Well, what's interesting is it's not just any uh, Greninja either. It's supposedly the one that Ash owns in the cartoon series, but that means it it has a special ability called uh, Battle Bond, which basically if you're battling, once you beat the first Pokemon, the Greninja sort of does like a Mega Evolve almost. Even though Mega Evolutions don't appear to be in this game, the Greninja sort of does a Mega Evolution into Ash Greninja and is more powerful. Hmm. Um, And I think that's only going to be in the one that you get through the demo. Um, So... uh, that's pretty cool. Um, you get to experience the trials, which it seems like are replacing gym battles in this game, um, yeah. and fighting a totem Pokemon. Um, you get a little taste of the photography aspect, which I wasn't really too amped about. It didn't really do anything for me. Um, but uh, well, here's one thing that I thought was controversial, and I talk. I'm not a, a, a hardcore Pokemon gamer. Chris is. Chris is like, you're like a into the I'm, training and stuff. You're a trainer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, You're a I'm, legit Pokemon trainer. I'm mildly competitive in the I Pokemon am, metagame. I am a very casual player. Uh, and I wanted to get your input on this because this seems like it could be controversial for uh, hardcore players. Is that in this game, after you have faced a Pokemon once... The second time you face them, and any time later, it will show on your move list which ones are effective and which ones aren't. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. So, like, if you, you're facing someone, you go in, and it'll say, like, Thunderbolt, super effective. Uh, scratch, effective. Bite, not very effective. So, after you've just faced someone once, you basically can see, like, oh, just hammer on this move, and it will be... yeah. Super I don't, effective. I'm not really crazy about that because it takes so much of like the, I don't want to say skill, but kind of like it, it makes it har- a lot harder to separate the boys from the men, if you understand my... Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of conflicted on it because I am one of the boys and not the men in the Pokemon world. Like It, 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 um, ma- it seems like it makes it like too easy. Well, yeah, I because I, when I played Pokemon XY, I do not have memorized which types beat what like i would sometimes have to look up charts and stuff like that or just take a stab in the dark um or what i thought made sense but this is going to make it way easier for me now and i don't know if i like that that it's going to be so easy for me to know what what beats what um so i don't know it seems uh i mean it, it definitely i guess makes the battle mechanism more accessible to i guess younger players or people coming back to it after a long absence that haven't played Pokemon in a long time and are like, what are all these new types, you know? Um, but uh, I don't know if it's too much. Yeah, I'm not huge on it, but whatever. I guess I'll get over it. I mean, I already pre-ordered the game, so I'm definitely playing it. And I mean, it's not like it's going to affect you very much because you already know that stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, for me, the main game is kind of already too easy, so it's not really going to change anything for uh, me. Big Big tough Pokemon trainer over here. <laughs> so any, I don't know. Whatever. I'm whatever about that. I wish they didn't do it, but I guess I can. I'm gonna just kind of not think about it. I guess. Yeah. 
Um, moving over to uh, comic book movie news. Uh, new trailers dropped this week for both Logan and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, the Logan trailer was very interesting. Uh, seems to be somewhat based on the Old Man Logan storyline from Marvel Comics written by Mark Miller uh, with some notable changes. Uh, it seems like the little girl is X-23, uh, which I'm really excited to see X-23 on screen. It seems like you know a lot of the newer Marvel characters don't always get to participate in the movies or the TV shows, so it's going to be good to see X-23. Um Seems like the villain is going to be Mr. Sinister, which was hinted in the uh, after credit scene of Debt? No, uh, the newest one, which was um, Apocalypse. Um, but what did you think of the Logan trailer? I, I know we've both been kind of hot and cold on the X-Men movies. Yeah, I'm not really a good person to ask. It's been so long since I had any excitement for any of the X-Men or Wolverine films that like, I'm just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> See, I think the first Wolverine movie is one of the worst superhero movies ever, but I thought the second one was fantastic. I really loved the second one where he goes to Japan. Um, I thought that was very true to the Wolverine character. I don't even know if I've seen it, honestly. Um, so I I am like kind of cautiously optimistic about this. Old Man Logan was sort of a contra- controversial story anyway. It was very just dark and gruesome, and I don't think this is really going to have all of that. Um but um, in the original storyline, uh, the idea is that the villains have defeated all of the Marvel heroes. Um, and one of the ways they did it is Mysterio tricks Wolverine into thinking that his friends are enemies. And so Wolverine actually kills most of the X-Men um, and then is the only person left and is sort of uh, wandering on his own. And then there's a bunch of stuff with the Hulks, but that won't be in this, of course. Um Professor X is in this though, and I have a theory. This is my theory. Write it down. We'll see if we're if I'm right when it comes out. Yeah, I have I'm a theory that that Xavier is not actually alive. I think he's in Wolverine's head as sort of like his conscience after everyone dies. I think that's like he sort of starts to lose it a little bit, and he imagines Xavier with him. Yeah, because um, I thought when I I did notice that when I saw that in the trailer, I was like, isn't he supposed to be dead? So. I did wonder about well, that. Well, in the X-Men continuity, he's not dead anymore because it sort of all got rewritten with Days of Future Past. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, but Xavier is not dead anymore in the oh. X-Men cinematic universe. Okay. But I think in this movie he will be because everyone's really going to be dead and I think Xavier is going to be one of them. The plot summary says that he is suffering, that Xavier is alive but suffering from Alzheimer's. Um, but my, my theory is that the twist is that he uh, doesn't exist at all. But if he's a figment of Logan's imagination, then why is he suffering from Alzheimer's? I feel like be- that right there proves that he's real. I Not necessarily. I think he could be envisioning with Alt- Alzheimer's as like, uh, because he, I don't know, he won't let him give himself like a friend that he's also not about to lose, you know? Like he, he because he's lost everyone already, even the when he imagines someone, he's like, there's someone that he's, any second away from losing them too. Maybe his Maybe. mind is just like pretty convinced that if Xavier was alive, that's what he would be like. Yeah. Um, Who's to say? But I'm I'm pretty uh, excited about it. Not as excited as I am for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, though. Uh, this was just kind of a teaser. It didn't have a lot in it, but it looks to be just as fun as the first one, uh, which I, I love the first Guardians of the Galaxy. It's one of the best Marvel movies. Um I can't wait to see more from it. Uh, this was just a teaser, but and I also can't wait to see what characters they bring in. I really want to see Richard Ryder as Nova. I'm I'm hoping we get that, um, and some other of the more uh, cosmic, uh, deep cut Marvel characters. Okay, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, should be good. It, it definitely looks like a good trailer. Yeah. Um, and uh, Donald Glover cast as Lan- young Lando Calrissian in the new Han Solo uh, Is it Calrissian? Solo film. Calrissian or Calrissian? I think it's Calrissian. Okay. That's how I've always... I feel like I've heard it no. said both ways, but I'm I sure there's, there's got to be a right one. I mean, there's got to be a way that George Lucas says it, and therefore that's the correct way. <laughs> um, I am I'll super excited with- about this casting. Okay. Just for the record, I'm going to go with your pronunciation. 
Thank you. Uh, but yeah, it does look like a good casting. I'm not really familiar with the actor, but I've seen pictures just in relation to this new headline of him being cast as Lando. And uh, he looks good. Looks good for the part. He's a great actor, too. He was in The Martian. He was on Community. He has his own TV series now, Atlanta, on FX. Um, he's, of course, a rapper as well, Childish Gambino. Okay. Um, and uh, he's going to be so good in this role. Uh, it's kind of dream casting, I think, for a lot of people. I've heard you talk about Childish Gambino before. Isn't that somebody you like? I'm a big Childish Gambino fan. I am. Okay. Um, I, I like Donald Glover all across the board. Great. Um, and finally, in news, well, I don't know about finally, but uh, Marvel just announced, this is kind of in comic book news, Marvel announced a relaunch of the X-Men books in the spring. Oh, okay. Uh, what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to talk about the Iron Man cover. Oh, no, we can talk about that, too. But, okay, uh, do you yeah, want to talk X, about that X, first? Well, no, X-Men. Talk, talk about X-Men. Um, so... If you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me complain about the X-Men and where they have been in recent years and how basically every X-Men book is just about them fighting to survive and not actually getting to be superheroes or getting to do anything, really. What are we uh, going to do about all these Inhumans? Yeah, now they're getting killed by the Inhumans. And then recently Marvel announced this X-Men versus Inhumans miniseries, which I've never been less excited for something that I will read anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because I just have to stay up on the continuity, so I'm going to read it, but I'm not going to enjoy it. Um, But the great news this week is that Marvel announced that this spring they're going to relaunch the line in a new sort of uh, relaunch titled Resurrection, um, which they have said is going to see an end to this risk from the Inhumans. Basically, the the Inhuman Terrigen Mist won't be killing the X-Men anymore. They won't be facing extinction. They won't have to just fight amongst themselves. They are actually going to get to be superheroes, and they are going to get to save the world and have cool adventures like they did in the 90s and the 80s with Chris Claremont. Uh, it seems like they haven't announced any of the creative teams, but they announced the editors for the whole branch of X-Books, and they seem to be Really excited about going back to the feel of the Chris Claremont uh, classic X-Men books um, and uh, sort of restoring adventure and fun to the X-Men titles. Uh, There's going to be, I believe, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, seven series. Uh, There's going to be Iceman, Jean Grey, and Cable are all going to get their own series. Uh, Then there's going to be two core X-Men books, X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold, which itself is kind of a callback to the 90s when the X-Men split into two teams, Blue and Gold. Oh, so that's what that is those two yeah okay i don't think it's going to be the same teams though what's interesting is if you look at the artwork they released for x-men blue and gold it looks like x-men blue is going to be the original x-men team you know Iceman, angel gene gray cyclops and beast while x-men gold all the artwork shows the all new all different team which launched with chris claremont's run which was colossus and wolverine and storm and nightcrawler um and i'm sure i'm forgetting a couple uh but if they're going back to like those two original X-Men teams, that's, that, that's going to be really cool. Um, it hasn't been confirmed by them, but that's what the artwork kind of looks like. Okay. Uh, then there's going to be a series called Generation X, which is all going to be just about the school, Xavier's school and the students and you know uh, what happens there, which is I, I'm glad we're going to kind of get back to that. I feel like there hasn't been, uh, since Wolverine and the X-Men ended a few years ago, there really hasn't been a book where you get to see the mutants at the school living. Um, so that sounds like a fun title. And then Weapon X, which apparently is going to be really dark. There's no word on what it's going to be about, but uh, the editors have said it's going to be really kind of boundary pushing and dark. I'll um, read that one. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> um, I bet it's I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to make a prediction right now that it's going to be a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit suicide squatty. Could be. It could be, you know, uh, you know, all the Weapon X rejects and graduates, you know, that kind of team up. I bet um, it'll be set inside like Weapon X, like inside some kind of Weapon X laboratory thing. And it'll be about all these like dark, messed up mutants that they're experimenting on and stuff and things that they have them do. That would be cool. And there will I'd probably, um, this is all complete speculation based on you just now told me there's going to be a Weapon X book, but yeah. I could totally see it going that way, and there will be like a little core team, and it'll be kind of like the the bad guys X Men book, you know? Because like yeah. bad guy, like I feel like bad guy teams are kind of hot right now. Yeah, they have it right now in the Uncanny X Men book uh, that they, that they have going on. Um, 
But basically, for the first time since I started reading comics again, I'm really excited about the X-Men. Um, That's great. You know, who knows if this will actually be good. We don't know who the creative teams are yet, but I have a lot of hope based on the uh, interview they released this week. Uh, I also have a theory as to why this is happening, uh, if we want to speculate. A theory um, on why. Now, this is all conspiracy theory stuff. Do. We, I've talked on here before about the conspiracy theory that uh, Marvel was trying to kill the X-Men because they didn't have the rights to them. They are. Uh, and so they were trying to kill them in favor of the Inhumans, uh, which is a very convincing theory. Um, recently, uh, we haven't talked about this on the show, but uh, the X-Men uh, or the Mutant Legion is getting his own TV series on FX. Uh, Legion is Professor Xavier's son. He's one of the most powerful and certifiably insane mutants oh, yeah, isn't, in the Marvel Universe. So isn't he, isn't he like super evil? Uh, he's, he's been evil. He's been good. Uh, he's, he's basically just uh, unstable. And okay. so he can be evil just because he can't really control his powers. Um, but he's also been a hero before. Um, so Legion is getting his own TV show on FX and that was confirmed to take place in the Fox X-Men cinematic universe. You know, I mean, FX is owned by Fox. And so it makes sense that this was all just going to be a Fox property. But recently a, list on the Marvel website for Comic-Con of MCU characters, Marvel Cinematic Universe characters, uh, Legion was on the list, implying that Legion, this Legion TV series may actually tie into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which would imply that Marvel has somehow worked out a deal with Fox to share the rights of maybe some X-Men characters. If that's true, that makes sense why they would want to bring the X-Men back into the comics, because now Marvel has something to gain. So would that mean but, that the Legion TV show takes place within the the proper MCU, or does it mean that they're actually now going to be connecting the two separate universes? That's what we don't know. That's I mean, I would guess because I feel connecting like it's, them. It's always been, I think, kind of open to interpretation, kind of vague and, and ambiguous as to whether or not they actually are like the same universe, right? Like the well, Fox movies and the Marvel ones. Legally, I think they are definitely separate. Yeah, but but, but within I, I don't like think the, it would be too the, hard to integrate them. Like within the lore or or what have you of yeah of the actual movies. There's no who's to really say that you know if I'm in the Deadpool movie that the you know the Avengers stuff isn't happening somewhere and it's just never really acknowledged or spoken about in the film. I mean that would be the weird part is that no one ever mentioned it, you know? Well yeah. That like when you're a team of superheroes you never mention that there's like But that's just something yeah. we'll have to just kind of take for, take well, right. for granted. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be I think fairly easy to integrate them. Or even say like, oh uh you know all the X-Men movies take place after... Oh, no, I guess you couldn't do that because they're, like, firmly rooted in decades. Uh, so you couldn't say that they took place after the Marvel movies because they're, like, in the 70s and 80s and stuff. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing confirmed. Marvel nor Fox has said anything official on this. It could just have been a typo on, you know, Marvel's website or, like, okay. an overeager intern or something like that. Yeah. But... If that is the case, that would make sense why Marvel's now like, yeah, let's bring the X-Men back. Uh, well, I want that to be the case because I want Marvel to make stuff with X-Men characters. I really do. Yeah. Um, one last thing I want to mention before oh. we go into Riri, before we go into the co- oh, okay. cover. Okay. okay, all right. Uh, this... <laughs> This isn't necessarily geek culture, but this is something that I have been geeking out about this week. Um, this uh, just yesterday, actually, the cast album for Lazarus came out, which was David Bowie's musical that he wrote uh, before he died. And the cast album has the what are considered to be the last three tracks that he recorded before his death um, for the uh, Black Star sessions. Um, you have to buy the album to get them. They're not like on streaming services, so I bought the album. Um, but uh, as a Bowie completist, uh, it's it's great to hear. Uh, and as someone that loved Black Star, it's great to hear additional songs that were recorded for that. And honestly, the Lazarus cast album is pretty good too. I mean, I was a little skeptical of like Broadway style singing of David Bowie songs. But I think David Bowie did all the new arrangements himself, and there's a couple of really standout arrangements, particularly uh, This Is Not America, which has never been one of my favorite Bowie songs. Um, but the arrangement on Lazarus is, is really, really beautiful. Hmm. Um, 
So I just wanted to, that's something I've been sort of obsessing about since it came out. So I cool. wanted to mention it. But let's talk about this uh, controversy. Yeah, I, I mean, I really, I feel like now I've, I feel like we've hyped it up now. And it really uh, isn't no. even, it's not even a big deal. But uh, I kind of was curious what you thought about the cover and whether or not you thought that the controversy was merited. So essentially this this week, um, Midtown Comics, which is a comic shop here in New York, revealed a special variant cover that's specific to them. Of oh, the, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was specific to one store. Well, uh, that happens a lot with comics because Midtown Comics is such a huge retailer. Uh, okay. Marvel and DC will often do variant covers that are exclusive just to the New York City and Midtown Comics. Um, but, that, but that's just one store, though. Uh, I think or there's a there, couple of Midtown comics in the city. So they have a few locations. Yeah. And they have that a few cover locations was here. specific to that store's different locations, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think they only have maybe two locations, but one that I've been to, uh, which is the, the main branch. Um, but uh, this variant cover depicted Riri Williams, who is the new Iron Man, who is a 15-year-old uh, African-American girl uh, who is a super genius who has built her own Iron Man suit now that Tony Stark is gone. And that series comes out in just a couple weeks, I think. Um, and this variant cover uh, showed Riri in sort of a short uh, crop top and with looking very sexualized. I'll just put it that way. And so a lot of people got upset about it and tweeted about it. And Marvel and Midtown Comics eventually pulled the cover um, completely from uh, sale. Uh, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it being removed because she's 15. She's a character that is like, that is a 15 year old girl and is a genius. And the other thing is like, this character hasn't even gotten her start yet. She hasn't even had her first book that she's gonna. I mean, she's been like a very minor supporting character in the existing Iron Man series, but okay. like to go like right off the bat and just like give her a sexy cover, you know, when she's when she's thus far only been advertised to us as like, yes, we're making a super smart genius black girl character, and here's a sexy cover of her. I feel like that's really tone deaf and in poor taste. Um, and See, I don't uh, think it's that sexy. Like I'm looking at it right now and I, and I, and I definitely see what people are reacting to. Like it's yeah. there, I get it. But I also feel like, and, and I'm not even complaining that they decided to pull it. Like, that's fine. If it was bothering people, that's fine, whatever. Yeah. But, um, I do like, just to speak my, my opinion on it, it's, it doesn't strike me as that sexy. Um, like, it's not like she's wearing uh, bra and panties or lingerie or anything True. else that really, I mean, she's just in clothes. She's show, I guess, showing her midriff, um, and kind of, I, I guess in kind of a sexy pose, but really to me, I just see, I mean, that's what a lot of 15 year old girls look like. I think what it is, I mean, definitely it doesn't go anywhere near like the total, you know, cheesecake factory that was like eighties and nineties comic books. Uh, she's clearly not like, you know, wearing nothing, but I think, and I don't think it was intended to necessarily be sexy. I don't think the artist set out like, let's make a sexy re cover. I think just some artists are stuck in that mode, especially yeah. artists that worked in the mid nineties. And that's just how they draw women. They just draw women with big breasts and weird kinky hip moves and snaky spines and flat stomachs a, and stuff. Is, is that a, yeah, I guess it's kind of a kinky hip. Like she's kind of like her hips are, her, her hip is like pretty far out. I guess. And like her torso doesn't really make any sense. Like it's way too long and like, and, uh, yeah, that's true too. Uh, I, I don't think he set out to make a sexy cover. I think there's just kind of been a general backlash to like, to some artists who only draw women one way yeah. and can't desexualize them in any degree. And I think this is just, I think his name's Campbell. I don't remember his first name, last name Campbell. He's been, a, he's been an artist since the mid nineties when that was the norm. And I think people are just starting to get kind of sick of it. And so, yeah, I don't think this was set out to be like, Hey, put this up on your wall. You know, here's sexy 15 yeah. year old. Yeah. But I think, 
the the style is just a little tone deaf. And yeah, and I think the torso yeah. thing is like the best point that I've heard because I didn't really notice it until you just pointed it out. But yeah, I, and I think that is probably a lot of what gives it that vibe. Yeah, like no like one's she's body got like this works long, that way. weird, skinny torso, and then like this big butt. So yeah, it is kind of okay. Case closed. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was like a little mini controversy this week, but and I uh, did, I did definitely notice like. Just going back to what you were just saying about, um, it seems like there's some artists who just don't know how to draw women any other way. Like, I definitely was frustrated, just to take one example, when New 52 came out and they redrew, um, they kind of redesigned Amanda Waller. Yeah, I remember you showing me that, and it was like, why? It's so (laughs) bad. Why did you need to make Amanda Waller sexy? Right. Oh, my God. Like, no. She was good, like, the way she is, you You know? You can have, like, (laughs) real women characters that don't have to be, like, just sexy and pushing out of their shirts all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. All right, um, moving on. Are we going to... Finally let's, talk about some books Yeah, now? let's talk about some comic books. Uh, okay. What do you want to talk about? It was kind of a weird week, uh, especially over at Marvel. Um, yeah, there's there's not really a lot that I do want to talk about. I definitely want to talk about Batman number nine, the most amazing book I think I've ever read in my entire life. Uh, here's the thing about Batman number nine. I loved it. Uh, we're finally getting back to some Tom I mean, King storytelling. I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but I did really like it. I kept thinking that I was missing things because I'm new to the Batman series. I was reading this and I was like, oh, what's the war of jokes and whatever? The war of jokes and laughter, like something yeah, like that. That's a new jokes thing. and riddles. That's the, the war thing of they jokes and riddles. Up, and like, when did, when did uh, Catwoman murder all these people? But from following Tom King on Twitter, people were asking him the same thing. Like, when did I miss this? Like, when can I read this? And he was like, oh, that's to come. So this is him teasing out all these ideas that I think we're going to see develop over the next, like, three or four story arcs. I think kind of all the seeds were planted in this issue, and I'm really excited for that. Like, through flashbacks and things, do you think? Yeah, I think so, because uh, the things he specifically called out on Riddles, or, or on, on Riddles, on Twitter, were the War of Joe jokes and riddles and the 247 murders that Catwoman is guilty of. Yeah, that uh, really was like and I love how um well we'll we'll go into it in a second. But yeah, that that was really shocking. I was like, "Wait, what?" I didn't Apparently that's all stuff that's going to be revealed. So, did he imply that the the Catwoman murdering all those people was during the war, the said war of jokes? No, and these were separate tweets. Uh he said the okay. Catwoman stuff is going to be revealed in in issue 10. And he just sort of, I think, teased about the jokes and riddles thing that it was something to come. Because I was assuming it was it was sort of like almost maybe not necessarily a retcon of the character, but just like it's being revealed now that she's been kind of a ruthless murderer all this time, and it just was never really acknowledged in the books. I mean, it might still be a retcon. It's DC, so who knows? They might yeah. rewrite all these characters' entire histories uh, next yeah. issue. But yeah, fair enough. You know what? I'm fine with that because I just came in on this series. They yeah. can rewrite what they want. So what did you think about the, the issue overall? I thought it was terrific table setting. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really, it was a really great hook, you know? Yeah, um, like, I'm so stoked for this arc. Yeah. Uh, I like him putting the team together of Arkham, Ar- Arkham villains, most of whom I'd never heard of. Um and had you heard of them? Are these villains, or is he creating new villains here? Uh, there were ones that I had heard of, and then some that I hadn't, and I, I can't remember who they all were right now. Because it um, seems like we can't really tell with Tom King, the way he's writing this, whether he's referring to older things or if he's just inventing new ones and you know pretending I, like they've been there the whole time. But I think some of the ones that are shown as they're kind of walking through the asylum, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of walking through the asylum, and he's talking to uh, the doctor about the different people he wants to bring out and make part of his team. And I think they're showing just like who's in the cells that they're walking by. Cause when yeah. I was first reading it, I thought they were showing who he's recruiting for his team, but I think it's just kind of like incidental. No. Yeah. I think those were just like people yelling out through the bars and stuff. Um, um and I'm, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to go there. back right now and see, who all was used. By the way, the stuff at the beginning, the Bane stuff. I was just going to say, oh my God, the intro was so good. Yeah. Have you, now, are you familiar at all with Bane's origin or the, like the, um, Nightfall storyline? Only what was told in, uh, Dark Knight Rises. That's all I know about 
Bane's origin. I'm sure it's okay. not accurate to the comics, although this was pretty similar. Yeah. So this um, is completely accurate to how he was originally introduced. Yeah, this this intro with him, like, every night the tide comes in and he has to swim up to the top and he's eating rats for, yeah. like, 21 years and he has to survive the leeches and the crabs biting him every night. Like, it was really brutal. Because um, he, he grew up in a in a hole, basically, in a prison for solitary. Yeah. He, he grew up in solitary confinement. Yeah. Uh, and it's showing some of that. And then uh, we cut to Bruce consoling a, a still sick and bedridden Gotham girl, and then he's putting his plan together to go and liberate the um, psycho pirate from Bane, which, you know, because that's basically the key to making Gotham Girl well again. Um, So yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It looks like Ventriloquist is one of his recruits for this team, and I, I am familiar somewhat with him. There have been a few different ventriloquists over the years, but I think this guy in in the book is the original one. Yeah, I think they say that in here. Uh, They say Arnold Wessler, the first of many to call himself the ventriloquist. Yeah. Uh, And then then that's when they mention the War of Jokes and Riddles. Now this guy, uh, what's he called? Bronze Tiger? Ben, Ben Turner? I don't know him. I don't know him either, but I really like his relationship with Batman in these panels, how they sort of have like a friendly sparring match. Yeah, um, I'm a little looks confused. Like, I'm, and it I'm, looks like Batman's actually kind of friends with him. He said they kind yeah. of smile at each other at the end. They say, let's get you out of here, you know? Yeah, and, uh, um, and, and he calls him Rich Boy, and then Batman's like, okay, big cat. Yeah. So I'm uh, really interested to learn more about that. Yeah, I mean, this whole you know issue, like every page there's a different like tease of like, you know, something I'm sure we're going to find out later. Um, and then and it's, he, it's hard to do that without, like, just making the reader go, I don't know what any of this is about. I don't care, you know? But he, he manages to make every single page, like, a, a hook that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and then this other one, Julie, I don't know anything about her either. Punch and Julie, yeah. They yeah. seem to be, like, a team. Um with uh, Punch disguising himself as Gordon, which I which seemed a little weird and rushed, but I'll take it. I liked it. It yeah. worked for me. It was clever. And it then just... we get these teases about uh, him saying one more, and the doctor knows who he's talking about, and he's like, no, no, not that one. I told you, it's much too dangerous. And yeah. the whole time, you're it's like building up to it, and you're thinking, like, is it the Joker? Is it going to be the Joker? Because, like, the dude is so afraid to, and like, then they they bring the inmate out in this mask. I yeah. was I was convinced it was going to be the Joker because of the mask. Yeah, they they very clearly uh, are trying to misdirect you and make you think it's the Joker in those panels because even the hair, like you see some, like they colored it with like some bluish green looking hues there. Yeah, um, and he's like the you know you see like this character in a straight jacket, very lanky looking, and has the creepy Hannibal Lecter style mask on and then you flip the page and it's Selena Kyle Catwoman and it yeah. says uh 237 counts of murder death by lethal injection so yeah the whole thing in a way it was like a little bit disappointing because I wanted Joker but also <laughs> people are always saying how Joker is overused and uh it's been a yeah. while since I've seen a good Catwoman story so I'm I'm excited I haven't read any comics with the Joker yet uh, because since I got in, I haven't been reading much Batman, but I kind of didn't want him to show up. I was like, this is too early. It's too early in Rebirth to have Joker showing up. Like, yeah. we, need to, we need to let him sleep a little longer. Sure. Um, but yeah, this was a great issue. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm glad we're back on track with Batman after all that Monster Men stuff. Yeah, absolutely. God. Uh, over in Marvel, it was kind of a weird week because the last two weeks have been all these new number one issues for Mar- uh, Marvel now. There were only a couple, I think there was only one this week, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, but we had a lot of issue uh, series finishing. Um, A-Force finished this week, like last issue. Astonishing Ant-Man had its last issue, which I was not expecting. Civil War Kingpin had its last issue. Mockingbird had its last issue. Like a lot of series were just ending, I think, to clear the way for some of these new Marvel Now titles. Uh, and all of those series were really good, especially Ant-Man and Mockingbird. I'm sad to see them go. Um uh, oh, by the way, because uh, I know you're excited about the Kingpin series, uh, the final page of Civil War Kingpin revealed that it's coming in 2017. 
So it's going to be a little bit of a wait for that Kingpin series. It's not going to be in this first wave of Marvel Now stuff. Maybe I'll go Um, back and read the Civil War stuff to kind of hold myself over. Plus, it's probably a good way to prepare because I think there's going to be probably things that would be good to know. Yeah. Um, It's only four issues, and it was a really great series, and it's by the same creative team that I think is going to be working on the Kingpin ongoing, so it'll be good to read. Great. Um, But most of Marvel stuff I'm probably not going to talk about because it's a lot of ongoing stuff that's at, like, issue 12 or 13, you know? It's all really good. There were some really good books put out this week, Um, and if you are looking... I read Infamous Iron Man number one and Spider Man number twenty. Which yeah, is part we're going to talk about those clone conspiracy. Oh, we are going to go into those. Yeah, we're going to go into Infamous Iron Man next. I just wanted to say real quick, if you are looking for Marvel places to jump on, uh, in addition to the two that we're going to talk about today, Patsy Walker Hellcat uh, or Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat, this week had a jumping on point, and so did Captain America Sam Wilson. I recommend both of them. Uh, the Sam Wilson uh, Captain America issue especially was very very good. Um, but we're not going to go into too much detail. But the big Marvel Now launch this week was infamous Iron Man number one. Uh, what did you think about it as someone who's coming into it kind of blind? Uh, I, I'm interested. I want to know what's going on with Dr. Doom. And I don't, I don't want to say too much about it because I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about Luke Cage in a second, and I want to have time for that. But yeah, um, it looks good. I, I'm going to read more. I'm actually interested in Dr. Doom, which is a character I know – next to nothing about and i'm not really a marvel guy so yeah i don't have a lot of investment in that character but they've kind of already piqued my interest yeah i mean uh especially knowing what you like in your superhero comic comic books it opens with a really brutal scene of just like dr doom killing someone at a meeting uh he didn't actually kill him Oh yeah, that's right. He he teleports him away. Yeah. Uh, but you think you, you kind of like he think him. you think like he's about to kill this guy because he's being super annoying, and then Doctor Doom like zaps him with his hand and like turns him into like a like he he's gone and there's just like a little like puff of smoke and whatever and he says that he banished him to India and he'll find his way back or something yeah. like that. Um, so this is a new series from Brian Michael Bendis who is writing. Uh, Iron Man previous, uh, Alex Maleev and Matt Hollingsworth. And the premise is Dr. Doom ha- now does not have the disfigurements that he had before. He just looks like a normal person and he no longer wants to be a bad guy. And he takes on the Iron Man mantle after uh, Tony Stark disappears. So he will be sharing that mantle with Riri, it looks like. Um, but this was interesting. Uh I liked the whole extended sequence where he saves Maria Hill, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., who she's, like, kidnapped by, I think, the the Mad Thinker. Is that who takes her? I always get some of these guys mixed up. Um, but uh, Doctor Doom comes in and, and frees her, and uh, the art in this was really good. I thought the pacing was really cool. Uh, the thing looks amazing when he goes and confronts that scientist that Doom was talking to. Um and I also like the idea. Did they re- did they tease that Tony Stark is dead? Is that did they reveal that? I feel like I vaguely remember some mention of him like not being dead, but being like off doing something. Like I don't remember, but I feel like it was implied that he's in some kind of dark place right now. Like. And he's just not around. Well, no, it says right here uh, he goes to see Amara, who was Tony Stark's love interest in the last series. Uh, and he says, did you hear about Stark? And she says, is it true? And he says, yes. And she says, well, you know, in my short time dealing with you superpowered people, I noticed that sometimes you have this way of coming back to life or faking your own death. And Doom says, it was televised. It is true. Oh. So it seems like he might be dead. But that's another weird thing is that this is all post-Civil War II. Like, that hasn't happened yet. There's three more issues of Civil War II that haven't come out yet. And so, spoiler alert, apparently Tony Stark dies at the end of it. Like... Get your publishing schedule, like, But there's also no way that... It's funny that it's to the point that, like, they acknowledge it in the book that, like, well, you know, comic books, so he's probably going to come back. And then somebody's being like, no, it was on TV, he's not. But we as the reader know that he is, you know? It's, like, it's funny. True. I mean, in, in Marvel Comics, they always come back, but he could be gone for the next four years, for all we know. You know, like, sometimes they do that. Like, they'll kill a character off for, you know... Uh, what's an eternity in comics, you know? Sure, fine, come back. but he's still going to come back because he's Tony Stark. True, like, true. You're not going to not write Tony Stark ever again. I just think it's weird that they that the same writer is on Civil War II as on this book, and he 
spoils the ending of Civil War II, sort of, you know, in the yeah. page of this, like, when it's not out yet. So that was right. a little weird. That sounds but, really frustrating. But I think this, I mean, we could have guessed already because there's been so much teasing about how Iron Man's not in all the Marvel Now books, you know, and is being replaced. But um, but I thought this was, issue was really good. I'm excited for the rest of the series. I, it's not the top of my excitement list with these Marvel Now books, but it, it's good. It's pretty good. All right. Uh, what do you think about Spider-Man? Uh, this is sort of like, this sort of fills in some of the gaps of the clone conspiracy. I'm not really hooked. Bit. I'm not really hooked. It's okay, but I, I, I'm kind of like, meh. I kind of felt the same. I've been such a fan of Dan Slott's Spider-Man run, but Clone Conspiracy, I mean, it's only been two issues so far. It was the first Clone Conspiracy issue and now this tie-in, but so far there like, hasn't been a lot to really hook me. I feel like half the issue I was just watching a little robot spider crawl around with dr octopus in it like talking about how awesome he is <laughs> uh well you know he's very egotistical um and then i don't know i i don't know i don't it, really i don't really like that character i don't really dr. care octopus? yeah i don't really care about him oh i, I love dr octopus i just i don't know I haven't he's really like, read much with them so i'm still willing i'm still giving him a chance but right he's now like i'm the just, spider-man villain yeah. I think he's like the top Spider-Man villain. I I, I guess. guess Green Goblin. I guess Green Goblin is higher. But but I, Doc well, Ock I, is pretty I know there. he's like up there. He's he's probably yeah. on the same level as as Norman Osborn. Yeah. Um yeah, I I'm glad you're reading Spider-Man because I know Dan Slott and I know this will is going to be good <clears throat> at some point and this is the jumping on point, but so far I just wish you had jumped in like you know, during Superior Spider-Man or something like that, you know? Yeah, this well, is, I'll this is going to be a hard time to get hooked. Because I, I want to like it, but right now I'm bored. Yeah. Um, hopefully Clone Conspiracy continues to get good. Um, they're still setting it up. Also, um, just a real quick mention, I did read uh, Glitter Bomb number 2. It's great from Image Comics. I've been meaning to catch up on that. Go read it. It's cool. It's about a uh, struggling actress who's kind of aged out of her... Uh, screen appeal and she's become basically the host to some kind of really crazy parasitic demonic entity that like lashes out from inside her and kills people sometimes and it's just it's it's pretty good i like it i'll say what needs to happen is i need to catch up on glitter bomb and you need to catch up on black hammer because black hammer number four came out this week yeah. And man, is that series good. I, I bought the first issue. I just haven't read it yet. Oh, good. It's it's so good. I mean, I've talked about it on the show before. Black Hammer, four issues in. Please catch up on it because not just you, but listeners too. Uh, it's it's so it's such a good deconstruction of like the Justice League kind of trope of like, you know, let's take this team of powerful superheroes and trap them somewhere where they can't do anything, where they're just like living normal lives. Um, and it, it's fascinating. It's some of Jeff Lemire's best work. Um, so we'll, I'm, we'll, we'll catch up on each other's series here and we'll, uh, we'll start talking about those more. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, I think the last issue i just want to mention really briefly, just because this was the one issue this week that really stuck out as like, wow, that's a good comic was the mighty Thor number 12. This was sort of a standalone issue that just gives like the origin story of Mjolnir, Thor's hammer. Okay. Uh, it tells the story of how Mjolnir was forged. Um, and uh, Jason Aaron, who's been writing this Thor book, does such a great job of writing like contemporary superhero books. But when he gets into this like mode of like telling Norse mythology, he nails it. Like mm-hmm. this felt like a true like Norse myth, and the art is really cool looking. Um, and uh, he balances, like, the mythology of Thor with the action really, really convincingly. Uh, I was a little bit worried about this issue, about, like, I don't really care about the origin of the hammer, you know? But it ended up being a really engaging uh, and, and fun story. I mean, it stuck out more than almost any other book I read this week. So uh, I wanted to give it a shout-out because, man, writing it, it Writing it down right now. Yeah. Um. So a little light on the comic book talk this week because we had so much cool news to get to. But uh, before we wrap things up, we both finished Luke Cage this week. Uh, and I think I think we both kind of feel the same. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
which is that there were really good ideas in it. Yeah. But overall, it kind of fell a little flat. Yes. Yes. Are we are we on the same page with that? Yeah. I think that there were good characters. I think that especially the villains, Diamondback, Cottonmouth, Mariah, and Shades were all fantastic. The actors were fantastic. They embodied those roles. They were terrifying. They were scary. They were really great. Which begs the question... Why do I always feel like I'm stuck with Night Nurse? Every series. Really? That's your... Your complaint is Night Nurse? I I love Night Nurse. I don't want to watch another weird romantic story unfold with her and the the main character. I guess that's true. The romantic thing is tired. I just watched that in Daredevil because I just recently watched Daredevil season one. That's right. And now it's like, oh, here she is again. And now she's in love with Luke Cage. And it's just like, like, I don't even... I I don't even dislike her character, but... I don't really like it either. I liked I her in Daredevil. I didn't really like her in this that much. I will say that I like Night Nurse, the character, but I, too, am tired of like her just falling in love with all the heroes. I think that's a little reductive of who she is the rest of the time when she's like beating the shit out of bad guys and like saving people's lives and stuff. I'm kind of tired of her in general. I don't know. I just... Also, Luke Cage is about to get... Luke Cage has to fall for Jessica Jones. That's the whole thing. He's got to marry Jessica Jones. He can't be yeah, starting with Night too. Nurse. There's that, too. So I was like, what is even going on here? Because I, I feel like he's supposed to end up with Jessica, so... I felt it was unnecessary to shoehorn in a little romance with Night Nurse. Yeah, like, I wanted them to just be friends, you know? Like, can't we have an on-screen, like, opposite-sex platonic friendship? Yeah, I Once agree. in a while? What's wrong with that? I, I want to point out some good things. Like we said, the villains were all fantastic. I thought the use of music and the use of Harlem was really great. The final battle with Diamondback I thought was fantastic. With Diamondback and like, really? I like, oh, I, I loved like it. it. That pulled it was, me back in. I that, thought that the costume was really stupid. Well, that's, And I it, thought that it, it, just, it just became a hand-to-hand like superhero throwing, throwing each other around kind of battle. And that would, would totally went against everything that was set up for like who Diamondback was and how he goes about things. He was like a strategy kind of guy. He was like the sniper in the shadows and you could never really find him. You could never really – he was like always one step ahead. And then at the end it's like – Okay, now he's got a power suit and they're just gonna fight. You know, it's like well, really here's, here's why and I it liked looks, it. Though. And the suit looks really stupid. Well, the suit was a callback to his comic book outfit. Yeah, and I looked like, and and so I went back and because as soon as I saw it in the show, I was like, this must be reminiscent of what he wore in the comic book. So I went yeah. and looked at it, and it looks so much cooler in the comic books. <laughs> and it's I, like I do like that uh Bobby Fisher, the the chess guy, like makes fun of him for it as soon as he comes in. And it's like we're in this this super sci-fi world where all kinds of crazy things are possible. And we even saw, uh, we even learned in Daredevil season one that Kingpin's suits that he wears, like just his regular business suits, are made out yeah. of this super. Uh, resistant to you know whatever um, like it's material, like super like this, thin Kevlar kind of stuff that yeah, like Devil makes his costume out of. Yeah, this armored material. So obviously that's a thing. Like why couldn't Diamondback have just been in a cool looking suit made out of that? That well, looked like what he wore in the comic books. Keep in mind that that suit is designed to re- reflect like punches from like Daredevil, but not Luke Cage. Like Luke Cage is has super strength, you know. Okay, but um, it could have been like they they could have just said it's got some here's, thing here's, in it that makes it like you know they could have still said it's hammer tech and it right. can stand up to luke cage and it could have looked cool like it didn't have to i don't even know what that was it looked like some kind of goofy halloween costume well costume aside i really like the final battle for a couple reasons i really liked that it brought in the people of harlem i thought that was really effective to like have every all of harlem watching it and cheering on luke cage and bringing in the characters from earlier in the series and i also liked that it mirrored the origin of carl lucas and willis striker of like them boxing together and the things that striker taught luke about how to win in boxing, I liked that symmetry. I thought that was effective, even if the relationship between Willis and Carl wasn't built up maybe as much as it should have been. I I really liked that for all of the Judas bullets and stuff like that, they did bring it back to just them basically having a boxing match like they did when they were kids, you know? Um, so I, I did like that aspect of it. For me, 
this whole series, while it had a lot of really great stuff going on, the writing was just inconsistent and the plotting was so inconsistent that it eventually turned into a series that I had on while I was like checking Twitter or eating lunch or like, yeah, that's what I said. Didn't I say that to you when you said you were trying to finish it? And I was like, dude, just watch it while you brush your teeth. Like, yeah, like it's not usually I can like sit down and I can, and I'm engrossed by these things, but I think it lost me and it lost me right around the point that diamondback shot Luke cage in the shoulder Luke Cage fell into the garbage truck. Diamondback just stood and watched him drive away and then got pissed when he couldn't find him. And I was, and it just seemed like such an inconsistency, such a glaring inconsistency that didn't need to be there. And it just seemed sloppy. When he shot, so when he shot him in the shoulder, though, does he hit him with a Judas bullet? He hits him with a Judas bullet in so the maybe shoulder. He, maybe he only had one with him at the time because they are super expensive. Maybe, but then he outfits the entire Harlem police force with him, and they're yeah. just shooting like willy nilly. Like, okay, you're right. Plot hole. That, yeah, like I look with any Marvel or superhero book. There's going to be a certain number of plot holes that you let slide because of suspension of disbelief. But I feel like in some, there's a breaking point, right? Where like there's just something too big that's just a little unforgivable, and then and that I, makes everything else too obvious. And I feel and like I'm this also, hit that point for me. I'm also not a particularly perceptive viewer, if I if I can just admit that right now. <laughs> so, like, I feel like generally for me, the plot holes should be small enough that I don't really notice them. <laughs> and I feel like I noticed them in the show. Like, I did think that about, you know, the, the thing where Diamondback doesn't kill him. Like, I thought that at the time. I was like... Well, there must be a reason why he's not killing him now. And then there never really was. I thought there must be a reason, too. I was like, oh, he's got a plan. But then his plan is like, we're just going to search until we find him. And I'm going to kill you if you don't. Yeah, I just really want to kill Luke Cage. That's in my entire motivation. Um, Also, I felt like the cops, and we talked about this, the cops were like way too stupid. Like way too easily misled by uh, Diamondback, who is desperate to frame Luke Cage as some kind of terrorist. Yeah, I mean, I think without going into all of the different areas where I I, I think the writing was just kind of sloppy throughout. I think there were moments where thematically and plotting-wise it was really strong and like there would be like these individual scenes like Luke being dipped into the acid I thought was a really great idea. You know, uh, there were parts where they had like really creative ideas and there were parts where they had really powerful moving dialogue and then there were parts where the dialogue just sounded wooden and like it like it could have used like five more drafts before they filmed and there were some performances where i was like you guys could have gotten another take of that you know maybe uh hit hit those a little better uh so i think it overall just felt a little sloppy by the end uh which was disappointing because of how much i liked about it i also didn't understand why they chose to it it feels like they divided it into actually two seasons. Like it feels like two seasons. Well, I liked the the twist that Cottonmouth gets killed and then he's not the true villain. I called that in episode one, if you'll remember. But, I was like, but, I bet Diamondback's gonna be, end up being the big one. Yeah, and I agreed when you said that. I was like, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but I feel like they could have done that without making it feel like it ended and then started again. You know. I don't know. It just I, yeah. it, it lost its momentum for it me. It felt like they were struggling to fill 13 episodes. Yeah. Like, they could have done this in eight episodes, and it would have been amazing. Um, I don't know I, about amazing. It would have been better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it just... The whole, the whole ship just needed a little bit of tightening, I think. Um, yeah. But... That being said, you know, I really liked how it ended uh, with, like, none of the characters really necessarily being put away, but, like, you know, uh, putting, sort of still resolving the storylines while still leaving them as looming threats. Um, Well, with the exception uh, of Diamondback. Well, even he, he was still alive, and now uh, you see yeah, uh, the scientist working on him, you know? like Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, so, like, there's, like, a tease that, like, maybe Diamondback will come back with Luke Cage's powers, you know? Yeah, um, which, I mean, he will, definitely. He will. I just hope he doesn't come back as the main antagonist of season two because let's get a new antagonist, you know? Uh, if I had to guess, I have a feeling he will um, play some role in... What's it called? Defenders? Defenders, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, so, yeah, I 
I'm glad you know I got through I it. I'm would... glad I finished it, but it was a little bit of a chore there at the end. Actually, let me just say, I, I did think overall Diamondback was amazing. I don't know the name yeah. of that actor who played him, but he was like, that was one of the best villain performances. Not even superhero movie, but like yeah. all around, like one of the best villain performances he was I think I've ever seen. Yeah, he was he was so compelling. Yeah. Um, yeah, Which is I thought... why I, I was bummed out by that. I don't know, I guess, you know, I guess we disagree, but I just thought that kind of cliched fist fight at the end, basically, of, of just, you know, this kind of cliched superhero ending fight, it, for me, was disappointing. I, yeah, I think we disagree on it. I thought it was very thematically powerful, the, them battling for Harlem, you know, uh, in front of Harlem, the way they did as kids, you know, I, I just found that very powerful. Uh, I did, I was a little pissed that, like, Hey Luke, he's got like a giant electronic battery thing on his back. Maybe destroy that. Like maybe punch that a couple times. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like it seemed like they were framing it as like here's the boss battles. Like here's his weak point. Here's the part that you hit. Uh, and said he just kept. I'm just gonna you know, throw him around. Yeah. I um, thought shades actually though is even though I think Diamondback was the most impressive. Uh, portrayal in the show. I think Shades is still kind of my favorite. Shades is cool. Shades I really like Shades. Cool. He was he was sick. I like I like also Black Mariah's progression from like being the reluctant, you yeah. know, going along with Cottonmouth to like being the true villain. You know, the boss. Yeah, yeah. And I, I liked how well Shades played a role in that. He was mm-hmm. kind of like the instigator and uh, kind of almost in a way he was like teaching her things. Yeah. And I loved the moment where you think Shades is about to get killed in the elevator, and then he ends up, you know, getting grabbing the guy's gun, and he ends up coming out on top. Like that was all just it was that was all really good. Yeah. All the Shades stuff for me was really good. All and then the he, pieces and were then in he, place. he kills the Diamondback henchman, and he's like fresh out of out of jail, you know, so he doesn't have his sunglasses, and he yeah. kills the Diamondback henchman, and then finds the his like a like a replica like pair of his shades on the dude's like in the guy's <laughs> pocket cuz the guy had been trying to like wear like he was trying to he step up and be the new shades and diamondback was like take those off <laughs> yeah and then shades like finds them after he kills the guy and he's just like nice <laughs> oh that yeah. was so good all the pieces were in place for a really fantastic show it just just felt just a little short yeah, just a uh, little short. I would. I mean, I would say for me, it fell a lot short. Like I, it wasn't necessarily a chore to watch it all. Like I didn't hate it. Like there were times. Like I enjoyed watching it. I guess for the most part, but it just should have been, could have been, and should have been so much better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to see more of these characters in the other series, and I'm excited to see what a season two looks like. I think you know they'll pro- they've probably learned a lot from season one. Um. And, oh, I'm sure. uh, and I'm super stoked for Iron Fist. I can't wait for Iron Fist to get here. Uh, I don't know I, anything about that character, but uh, I will give it a shot. Yeah. And uh, if listeners want to learn more about Luke Cage and Iron Fist, guess what? There's a series out right now called Power Man and Iron Fist. And Power Man is Luke Cage's uh, alternate superhero name. And it's about the two of them. And it's really fantastic. I've talked about it on here before, how good it is, uh, by David Walker. Nice. Um, but uh, I, think I think that's that, it for this week. Yeah, that does it for me. Yeah. Um, so uh, remember all the comic books we talked about. You can buy them at your local comic book shop, Comixology. Uh, buy comic books. Tweet at us about them. We're on Twitter at pmuchobsessed. Yeah, um, tweet we've been things trying to, to us. We've been trying to tweet a little bit more. Tweet us things that you're reading, things that you want us to read, talk about, watch, play, yeah. um, act out. And uh, we'll all get the Switch together and play together when it comes out. Yes. We'll have big so I, listener multiplayer I think meetings. next next week maybe we're going to check in on Westworld. Yeah, we should do that because uh, we have been following that and that has been very good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I feel like, well... I'm going to say very good. Okay. I'm I'm really drunk. Well, we're not going to talk about it this week. We'll yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to get into <laughs> it because if I start saying anything, then we're going to have to just talk about it. So yeah, next week. All right, so tune in for that, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.